You know, last week we talked about prayer. It was week five, and I would just like to say that my prayers were answered because John was not doing the announcements, and Christina did. What a great moment that was in my life that that just happened. Thank you, God in heaven. Um, Listen, here's the deal. We are in revolutionary week six, two weeks to go after today. And I got to tell you, it's been a really awesome time. We gave this series the title revolutionary because it was the only phrase that we could come up with that would encompass this message that Jesus gave called the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said these revolutionary radical things that no one had ever heard before. He changed everything in the history of humanity. People were different and they, they, they were moving on from this old way, the way of the law, and they were doing things that he He said that they should do differently in their lives. And we've talked about a bunch of stuff. But today, we're going to land on a topic which I think is really interesting and really cool. We're going to talk about what he said about money and possessions. Now, if you're new to church, or maybe you haven't been in a while, or you're back, or maybe it's even your first time, you're like, I knew it. They've been just getting us here, and I knew it's finally time to talk about money. They're going to bait us and switch us, but it's finally the day. Now, allow me to tell you. This is not going to be your stereotypical church message about money, where there is a moment where you're challenged to fill out a card and give and then generally bring it to the front of the room. That is not what this is going to be today. Here at Downtown Harbor Church, we always want to talk about giving, but we never, ever, ever put pressure on people to give. It's something that's in our DNA, something that we're very passionate about. But Jesus does have a lot to say about these things. And because Jesus has a lot to say about it, we should take it seriously because we want to model our lives after his life and what he said about it. And money is a very controversial topic. And he talked about it in the Sermon on the Mount. But before I get into what he said, he did talk about giving, giving specifically to the needy and or the poor. And I want to kind of go back. This is not the context of what everything is we're going to talk about today, but this is kind of a preface, right? So he said this in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So I started to think about this, and I started to think about a conversation that I had recently related to this. And I was, for whatever reason, the, uh, the idea of tipping got brought up. And I don't know if you know this in our culture today, but you got to tip everybody, right? I don't, I'm, t- like, I'm tipping the oil change guy. Like, I'm tipping everybody these days, right? So my buddy John, you know the guy who normally does the bad announcements? He's in the back of the room. He, um, he, one day we were having this conversation, and he goes, i got to tell you about a story. I said, okay. He goes, I was at Whole Enchilada the other day. You guys know Whole Enchilada? It's a place in town, great Mexican food. He goes, but I had a problem. He goes, the guy who waited on me was really good, but there was a tip jar there. And I said, yeah. He goes, well, I threw a buck in, but he turned his back to me and didn't see me throw it in. And I said, the problem is? He goes, well, it's not like even getting credit for it then if he doesn't see it. And I said, oh, you might want to come to my message in a couple of weeks. But then he said, he goes, but, but there's a problem here. And I said, he goes, I, I, you know, when you tip somebody, you should get credit for it. And so I replied with, so you don't make it a habit of giving to the blind. And he said, he said, he goes, not bills. I, I said, John. I said, I think in a couple of weeks you might need to come. But here's the truth. Jesus has a very clear thing to say about that, right? About how we should not be giving, uh, you know, in public and getting credit for it. He says, do it in private where nobody sees. 
But then, as we've gone through this entire Sermon on the Mount series, I told you that I would take us down memory lane every week so that we could kind of refresh, and if we missed one, we might go back and kind of catch up on it, maybe online. We first talked about these Beatitudes, these supreme blessings, that basically if you want the blessings of God in your life, that humility should be a part of your life, that you should turn yourself toward other people at all times, and then you would receive the supreme blessings of God. We then talked about salt and light, and those who are followers of Jesus are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, and the world needs those followers in this world to make it a brighter place than the darkness that surrounds us every day. We talked about then murder, adultery, an eye for an eye, about Jesus, what he said about all of these things. And this eye for an eye business was, we are no longer seeking revenge when someone wrongs us, but we sacrifice. And then we talked about loving our enemies, taking that even a step further. How that people who have wronged us, Jesus said, no, turn the other cheek to them as well. Give it to them. Make things right with people. It's more important that you make things right than if you come here. Then we talked about last week, we talked about prayer and how Jesus taught us to pray and gave us an outline for how we should pray. And we went through that line by line in the scripture. And today we are going to talk about money and possessions. And here's why this is so important for us today. Because all of us have these things. We all have money and we all have possessions. Whether it is a little bit or a lot or whether it is $10 or $10 million or whether you drive an 86 Mazda or you drive a Ferrari, you still have stuff. Everybody has stuff. So if everybody has things, it's important for us to understand about what Jesus said related to these two things. So here's a claim I want to make. Because I believe that Jesus responded to the people of the time this way because they loved or, or had a leaning towards something. Here's one of the things that I think. People back then who he was talking to, they loved money. I know they loved money because Jesus spoke the way that he did about it. And I will also tell you this. Not only did people love money back then, people love money now. This is why this is so important and so relevant to us today. And here's the truth. If you want to argue this, you can. But money is an easy thing to love. Money buys things. Money gets us experiences. Money is very easy to love. And the more that you make of it, the more easy it is to fall in love with money. And we kind of have these vacations and experiences and automobiles and homes and uh, anything and clothes, all these kind of things that money buys. And money is something that's really easy to fall in love with. It's so easy to fall in love with this thing called money, which is why Jesus spoke the way that he did about it. So in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24, Jesus addressed this issue today. If you have a scripture, you can open it. Um, if not, as always, the text will be up here on the screen. That's what he said. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, possessions Things that money will buy you. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But then he said something else. He goes, but this is what you should do. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So I read this over and over and over again as I was preparing for this message. I researched this a lot. And so I started to ask myself a question. Here's what I started to ask myself. What is a treasure in heaven? 
What are these things that he's referring to? What is a treasure in heaven per se? And the truth is, the fact of the matter is, there's a lot of opinions on this. There's been a lot of debate about, amongst theologians and scholars throughout the years about what this is. And if you want to do something else during your week or you want to kind of research something more because some people like to do that during their weeks, take a look at this. Even just Google it and look at all the responses for what a treasure in heaven is because people are trying to figure it out. They're trying to go, what should I invest in? What should I, what should I do with these dollars I have if, if we want a treasure in heaven? What we could come up with kind of to the best of our ability was treasures in heaven are things that sometimes you can't even necessarily touch, right? It's love and justice and peace and forgiveness here on earth. Because we believe the people that we interact with in some way we will interact with again in the next life that is so big that we don't even necessarily understand. But treasures in heaven are investing in things that aren't physical. It's investing in people, in others, things that actually last long term. But here's my problem. This is where my problem came in. I have been taught throughout my life to be very fiscally responsible. I've been taught throughout my life to save. I've been taught to make wise financial decisions. So when I read the words of Jesus and I think about what I've been taught, I struggle with it because I'm like, wait a second. We are taught, especially in America, to do better for ourselves, to do as best as we can, to start companies and to go after your goals and dreams. We've been taught that. So I started to struggle with these words to go, I, I, how do I put this all together? And if you read this, maybe you struggle with it too. So I started to ask myself a few questions because Jesus is so clear about it. Here's, what I, here's the first question I asked myself. Does this mean I can't have a 401k? Because I, I have one, right? And I'm like, does this mean I shouldn't have one of those if I'm in, like, saving up for myself? Like, and I came up with an answer. No, you can still have one. You just can't fall in love with it. And there's the tension there. There's the gray. You can have a retirement account you just can't love your retirement account more than you love other people. And a lot of people do. That's why Jesus spoke so strongly about it. Does this mean I can't save? Does this mean I can't save? Does this mean I can't stockpile for my family? And, and, and does, this, does that mean that? No. You just can't fall in love with your savings account. You just can't fall in love with your savings account more than you love other people. Does this mean, I started to ask myself these questions, does this mean I have to live in a hut? Like, what is, like, I was, okay, I was on a cruise a couple of weeks ago, and, like, I kind of got lost down a side street, and literally, like, in Mexico, we were, like, amongst a bunch of huts, and I was like, wow, like, this is, I was reading this at the time, you know, it was kind of correlating. I was like, does this mean I have to live in a hut? No. It just means you can't love your home more than you love other people or investing in others. That's what that means. Jesus Jesus is trying to free you from these earthly possessions that are all related to money. And here's the truth. This is unique for every single person because every single person in this room makes a different amount of money and has a different amount of or unique possessions to yourself. It doesn't matter how much money you make. This is unique to every single person in this room and we all need to take it seriously because he says something else. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, where you put your money, that's where your heart is. It's actually a reflection of what's going on inside of you. And so therefore, we want to look at this and say, choose carefully 
where you put your treasure. Choose carefully where you put your money. Choose carefully. So, I have a challenge for Downtown Harbor Church. This is a challenge I was given around the age of 18, and I've always done it, and rarely do I stand up here and challenge the masses, but I have a challenge. I want you to go home, and I want you to look at the last 90 days of your bank statements. I want everybody to print them out, or you can look at them online, where, whatever you do. I want you to look at the last 90 days of your bank statements, and then I want you to ask yourself a question. Here's the question I want you to ask, and this transformed the way that I looked at my own financial position in life. Here's the question that I want you to ask yourself. As you look through the last 90 days of your bank statements, there it was. It was really good. It went away real quick. <laughs> Does your bank statement reflect an investment in others? That's what you have to ask yourself. Does your bank statement reflect an investment in other people? So I'll tell you this, and I rarely do I kind of go up here and unpack our closet and go through personal stuff, but I will tell you, from the age of 18, I was challenged to invest in other people. And every month, with my personal finances, with Caitlin, our family, I'll tell you this, it is the first thing that we do every single month. We've chosen to invest in other people and to give. And I will tell you, the blessings that God has returned on my life because that was a strategy that he laid out and that we have put forth, I could not describe to you how blessed we are because we've been able to invest in the lives of other people. So what does investing in the lives of other people look like? Where should you invest if you're going to do that? Well, first of all, I think you should invest in the local church because that's what we're all about. And I don't know if that's here for you, if this is your church home or you want to give to somewhere else. That's fine. But I think that in some way you should invest in the local church. The local church is the salt of the earth and the light of the world. It needs to function. You should invest in the lives of other people through the local church. Number two, organizations. There are so many awesome organizations out there who do amazing things and help children who are enslaved in sex trafficking and poverty all over the world. And there are organizations that function to do so many amazing things. And here's what I'll tell you. They need the salt of the earth and the light of the world to invest in them. Organizations. So that justice can reign. So that love can flourish. The message of Jesus can flourish. And lastly, individuals. Have you ever been able to really give to someone else who needed it? Have you ever been able to actually just give, don't miss this, don't miss this, without wanting anything in return? Because a lot of, Judge Judy taught me a lesson a long time ago. She said, never loan money to family. If you're going to give it, if you're going to give them money, give it to them. Don't ever ask for it back. She goes, I've seen more cases about it. But think about it. Think about people you know in your life who need help. Think about people you know who might benefit and this is why it's so important for us to get into a financially responsible situation in our own lives so that we can give to these things and to others because it's hard when you're riddled with debt. And culture has kind of set us up for that with student loans and credit cards. And I got three credit card offers yesterday. Yesterday, right? Where are these people getting my info, right? But here's the thing. We can't do that if we're riddled with debt. So Jesus says, don't store up your treasures here on earth. Do it in heaven, in others. And then he goes on 
And he talks about the most powerful statement that he makes about possessions and money in the scripture. This is the most powerful thing that he said related to this idea. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he makes this statement, which I love because it's so powerful and it should penetrate our hearts in each one of our lives. You cannot serve both God and money. It cannot happen. You can't serve both God and money. Jesus again Jesus, again, is calling his followers to a what? A higher standard. He's saying if you are obsessed with stuff, if you are obsessed with money, number one, you're never going to be able to make enough of it. You're always going to want more. Your toys are never going to be cool enough. And don't get me wrong, what guy doesn't like a good toy, right? Who doesn't want a jet ski or a boat or whatever? But he said you can't serve both. You have to be different. You have to be different. And I believe At the end of the day, here's why he said this. Because loving money is an investment in something. When you love money, when you're obsessed with money, when you let, and and let me sidebar for a second. We're talking about loving money. Remember, if you were here probably about five months ago, we did a message on the phrase, money is the root of all evil. People will tell you all the time, that's in the ancient scripture. Money is the root of all evil. No, it isn't. They're wrong. People have been saying it for years. Ain't in there. I looked. Here's what is in there. The love of money is the root of all evil. When you love it, when you're obsessed with it, when you can't get enough of it, and loving money is an investment in something. Loving money is an investment in yourself. And that's why Jesus spoke so strongly against it. See, because he called us to the exact opposite of our human instinct at every single moment. He turned us toward other people. And he knew that when we obsessed with money, when we thought about it constantly, when we were obsessed with possessions and getting more and more and more, he knew it was an investment in ourselves. Don't get me wrong. Let's stop. You should work hard. You should have nice things. You should do that. Just don't love it and obsess with it more than you love doing things for others. Because the problem with this is, the problem is Jesus was all about turning us toward other people. At the end of the day, Jesus was all about turning ourselves toward other people. And if we love money, which the scripture describes as the root of all evil, to love money, We're never turning ourselves toward other people. And that was the entire reason that Jesus came to show us a different way, to love our neighbor as ourself. And then, this is not in the Sermon on the Mount, what I'm about to put up, but I started to just kind of research through the scripture and see what else Jesus had to say about money during his time on earth. In the book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 25, he said something. He said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self. This loving money, the investment in yourself, you'll eventually lose the entire world. You'll eventually lose everything. So 
let's go for a second here, right? Let's, let's talk about some of the tough things related to this. Because I started to ask myself a question. I started to ask myself some difficult truths. Because those of you who know me in my personal life, and you guys, there's a lot of you in this room because DHC was a church plant and some of us have got to know each other. You know that this can be a struggle for me. Especially because I started a company a number of years ago and that has been successful. And so I have to continually get my mind in this and to figure this out. But I started to ask myself this question. Does this mean I can't be successful? Does this mean that I can't be successful and do well for myself and my family? Does this mean that I can't actually have nice things and want to be in a, in a life where things are clean and, and I want to look nice and drive something nice? Does this mean that I can't do that? No, it doesn't. I will tell you this again. I think every person in this room should be the best version of themselves that they can. They should start companies and they should go out and they should be something. They should make something of themselves. They should have the best families and the best places to live and drive whatever they want to drive and wear whatever they want to wear. Here's where the rub comes in. Does this mean I can't be successful? No, you just can't selfishly revel in your own success. And there's a tension. Because reveling in your own success when you're successful is really difficult not to do. Because it's easy, especially when you've done well. Okay, got it. Gosh, I'm preaching today, aren't I? I'm just feeling fired up up in this place, right? Does this mean you, can't, you just can't revel in your own success? Okay, so what does this mean? You want to know how you can prove you don't love money? Because I could only come up with one way to prove that I don't love money. There's only one way I could prove that I didn't love it, because I get it now. Okay, I got it. You're right. Jesus is right. What's the one way that I can prove that I don't love money? Only one way you can do it. Give it away. That's it. It's the only way that you can prove that you don't love money is to let it go, is to let it actually go. But I will tell you this, when you give it away and you invest in the lives of others, and I'm not saying give it all away. We're not idiots, right? Like, I'm not saying you should like, clear the bank account out tomorrow, but I am saying that like, it's got to be an investment in other people at somewhere along the way. And when you do this, here's what I want you to know. Your life will be changed. Do you, can you imagine what it would be like to be a part of changing someone else's life for the better? Can you imagine what it would be like to actually be a part of that? Think about the, these words of Jesus and how much that means. Think about that. And you know what? Here's the real truth. Sometime in the future, all of us are not going to be here anymore. And I don't know about you, but I've never seen a U-Haul at a funeral. I've looked a lot. When you do this, you invest in the lives of other people and things are different and things are changed. That's why you should invest in the local church. That's why you should invest in organizations. That's why you should invest in individuals change your life. Now, I'll tell you this, and I want to kind of give the all call out here, right? Some of you, and I was speaking to myself 10 years ago when I said this, some of you are a hot mess financially. You are, and I know it, right? You are in debt up to your ears. You can't pay for things. You have credit card bills that are outstanding. I want to challenge you to get that square, because everything that we're talking about is really difficult to do if you are riddled with debt. 
It's just, I still think you should do it, but I think it's very difficult when you're riddled with loads of debt. And at Downtown Harbor Church, I want us to be a church where people are out of debt and are able to give back to their communities and others. That's what I want us to be. Some of you are a hot mess and need to address that. And if you are really in a hot mess and you want to talk about it, come find one of us. We'll talk because, I mean, I did that 10 years ago. We climbed completely out of a mound of debt from student loans and our wedding and um, credit cards and Disney Vacation Club. Gosh, they saw me coming, right? Like they really did. But here's the deal. When you're riddled with loads of debt like that, like you just can't do this. And this is what Jesus called us to do. Here's what I want you to leave with today. Never fall in love with stuff. Possessions will eventually fade away. Every one of them. Don't invest there. Even though you should have nice things and be successful and do well and have a great family and a great house and drive whatever you want, but don't fall in love with it. That's where the tension comes in. Because it will all eventually, all eventually fade away. Jesus calls us to a higher standard of living. This is a key component to that higher standard. As we figure out how to love our neighbors and our communities by, like ourselves, through faith in him. Never fall in love with stuff. Possessions, eventually all, bye-bye. Let me pray for us. Dear God, I'm so thankful for this room of people who I've just been able to get to know as we've started this, and it's been so fun, and I'm just so thankful that you call us to this, that you call us to actually invest in the lives of other people, even with our own pocketbooks. And God, I just pray that you would help us to do that. Each one of us is on a journey there. All of us, all across the spectrum in different ways. But I pray that you would call us to investing in others so that we can do every single thing that you call us to do. Jesus, guide us, help us, keep us, surround us with your grace and mercy as we all work through this. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.